This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You might have heard of the name Philip Stutz. He's not in the hunting community, per se. He loves to hunt now. But he's in the sort of political game. He's been on CNN, he's been on Fox News, he's been on... Hundreds of podcasts, including really big podcasts like Gary Vee's podcast. And he's written a very successful couple of books. He's written two books, uh, one specifically that is called The Undefeated Marketing System. But Philip had sort of this epiphany just before COVID, or actually during COVID, about how he needed to be more connected to the outdoors and more connected to nature and actually became a hunter. He hadn't hunted since he was 19 years old, so essentially a 26-year hiatus. And I really want to just have a good conversation that you typically expect from us about, like, why? Why did you decide to make this leap from being a non-hunter to being a hunter? I think you're going to get a lot out of this podcast, specifically just the way that Philip thinks about hunting is just something to file in the back of your brain. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So, I'll, I'll start with some very pointed questions. Didn't grow up a hunter? 
No. Never even held. Did a you gun. have a pacip? What's that? Never really held. You never held a gun. Well, I shot guns at camp, uh, like little twenty twos, right? Um, but I, I mean, nothing but a target. That's it. Never even thought about hunting. Frankly, I, I didn't even feel comfortable holding a handgun until about two years ago, and I'm forty eight. Mm. Mm. I, I, I didn't grow up with handguns, and I think even today, I'm still not very, like, comfortable with yeah, it. Yeah, about a year ago, um, I took a, I don't know if you've heard of the company Sheepdog Response, a guy named Tim Kennedy, mm. Uh, mm. runs it. He's been on Rogan's podcast bunch. But anyway, it's out of Austin. But yeah. they, they came to where I live in Florida, and I said, you know what? The only, <laughs> it's kind of like hunting. The only way forward is just to do it. And so I took a a two day um, shooting handgun shooting class, and I was so bad <laughs> at the beginning of that thing that like they had to put it was like ten people they had to put one instructor on me just me by no, my you're, which is special, great in the special got, special class for yourself. Oh, we had like three instructors for ten or twelve people, and they had to put one just on me. But it was awesome <laughs> because I had a one on one instructor for two days, and by the end of it. I was out shooting everybody in the group who had been shooting handguns for years because I had such one-on-one instruction. And now, you know, I, I do conceal carry. I carry everywhere and I'm very comfortable. It's like a part of me. So it's pretty cool. But anyway, uh, digresses. From That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. If you didn't hunt growing up, did you have a, did you have a perception of what hunting was or who hunters were? Nope. It was almost like a nothing, nothing. I mean, though, I grew up in Alabama. So the people hmm. I knew hunted were pretty big rednecks that didn't, I, I guess the, there was no appeal for me, Robbie, because the people I knew were out to just slaughter animals and there was no ethos behind it. There was no point behind it. It was kind of like, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, I shot a doe when I was 19 legally and I was drinking beer with a bunch of friends and we were shooting can it was during doe season i had a license yeah and we were yeah. shooting beer empty beer cans in a field and we just we just pushed the deer into the field because they didn't know where the sounds were coming from and that's that was my only hunting experience at 19 was like oh so it's just you just drink beer and shoot cans in a field and a deer runs out and you shoot it like honestly like it's a funny story but it's true. It's, it, and so, it's almost the perception of who we are, right? That's like you're just describing it. Yes. I just said, dang, for me, ultimately. I, I experienced it because I, I wanted to understand it. And I'm like, eh, not for me. Mm. Uh, I also mm. grew up, um, you know, my parents pushed me into other things, not into this. But down deep in the core of my soul, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in Florida. I I was in a blind last night until five thirty. That's amazing. That's so cool. And and I was uh, I was in a blind the night before. I, I listen to this. I just got access to two hundred acres for free. And we, my daughter, who's uh, now she's ten. She just turned ten. But she and I went out Saturday afternoon and sat in the two hundred acres. And about four fifteen, a Florida panther 
walks out in front of 150, are you serious? 150 pound Florida Panther, which they are only about 120 total, walks out 80 yards from us. Amazing. And, what an experience. And I'm with my daughter and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to get tracked by this thing now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like that, you know, and then yesterday, uh, last night when I went, two does came out. I was just like, come on, but come on, but, but nothing came out of that, but it was 30 minutes of just watching does. And I, I was in heaven, man. I, and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's all I'm thinking about. I'm obsessed with it right now. Uh, and I've been obsessed with it for the two and a half years since I kind of made this, had this epiphany. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, Philip Stutz, welcome to the uh, Blood Origins podcast. <laughs> I'm to be here, man. Love, honestly, I have to say this. Let me start by saying this. Right, love what you are doing. Love your mission. Love your purpose. You and I did a one-on-one -on -one call recently. And, yes, sir. And I just, um, it's rare you find people that are doing everything for the right reason. Their heart is fully in it and their passion and their purpose is there. And so it's an honor for me to be here today. Thanks for having me. No, man. I, uh, we got connected. I have to tell a funny story. When we, we did the one-on-one -on -one face time together sort of to c connect and, and get to know each other, I thought you were this completely other person. And you kept saying, uh, no, that's not me. Yeah. No, that's not me. No, that's not me. And I'm like, well, okay, well, let's just, <laughs> let's just go with what who you are. <laughs> Let me get to know you. And then when you told me about this epiphany that, you know, it's almost a part of the conversation today, and then who you are and sort of your, your marketing background and the sort of the spheres and circles that you, you swing in, you know, you've been on some pretty heavy-hitting podcasts. Yeah. And, but I feel honored that this is probably the first podcast that you are on that you get to talk about now this new passion of yours, oh, yeah. which is hunting. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. So let me ask the, this, the general question, because we have a, a pretty diverse audience that listen to this um, from non hunters to people that are like thinking about hunting uh, to obviously hardcore hunting community. It, it, you know, the question that, sort of is the central tenant, central foundation around Blood Origins is why? So for Philip Stutz, like, what was the why? Like, what was this epiphany two and a half years ago that you're just like, screw this. I, I, I shot a doe when I was 19. Not for me. Fast forward 25 odd years. All of a sudden, you go from being a non-hunter to being like, you're wanting to hunt. No, I want to hunt every minute of every day. <laughs> you know, I'm probably the, uh, uh, you know, probably the, whether it's the stereotype or sort of the archetype of the COVID per, you know, person that the, the went through COVID and decided they wanted to hunt. I mean, like there's a, I, I, I'd love to know what that population is. Like it, how many additional hunters were added to the world because of COVID, right? But uh, it'd be interesting that world, the, the world analogy, I don't know, like in America, you know, some states bumped license sales up by 40%. Yeah. But on average, I think the number that was has been bantered around is like a nine to 10%. Yeah, I mean, licenses are one board. thing, but are they, you know, are they coming out once and right? We are uh, my wife and my, I have a daughter, one-year-old daughter, or one-year-old, we have one daughter, and we were scheduled to go 
in the summer of 2020 to Maine and Boston. My wife's from Massachusetts. We were going to go to a Red Sox game, go to Maine. Nothing to do with outdoors. And then COVID hit. And basically, Massachusetts and Maine shut down, like if you aren't right. in those states. So we're sitting at home in May, and then we're like, what should we do? Like, no one's going out. I bet there's some pretty good deals to go travel right now because no one's traveling. But there's also going to be crazy restrictions or whatever. But anyway, so I said, why don't we just get in our car and drive out west? Mm. And so we did. And we got in my truck and we drove uh, to Wyoming and to Colorado and then up to Montana. And when we were in Wyoming, I signed us up for a 13-hour tour of Yellowstone. Awesome. And that day in Yellowstone... Not only did we see wolves and bears and buffalo and, you know, every, you know, eagle, bald eagles and everything else, we got locked in at one point in the day on about 200 elk. And I, I, the guide was like, okay, guys, let's go. And I'm like, I'm, no, I'm, I've got my, you know, I've got my binoculars on these things and I I didn't want to leave. And then as we did leave, we were driving back to Jackson Hole. So the elk was more fascinating than the wolves and the bison and everything oh, else. Not even, not even close. I was just watching them eat and move, right? And, mm. and they were probably like 400, 500 yards away. But we were driving back that night back to our hotel, and we were going through – we were in the back of Yellowstone, so we are going all the way through Yellowstone. And we go, and I look over, and in the rivers, there are, I just keep seeing people fly fishing in these rivers. And I'm like, oh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You can fly fish in Yellowstone? And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely you can. And I'm like, oh, my God. I w- that's what I want. I want to be in, on a stream throwing a fly rod. Like, I, I, I did do a lot of fly fishing back when I was 19, 20, 21 years old. Big fan of the river runs through it. Yeah, of course. Like that was my inspiration. Of course, right? right. And then I got, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I learned how to do it, and I fished a lot out of the uh, rivers in North Carolina, mountains in North Carolina. But I didn't really do it since my about twenty one. Anyway, and I'm sitting mm. this, and I'm like, it's not about. Fi-. I remember when I fly fished in my twenties, and I said I didn't really care if I caught a fish. I just wanted to be in that surrounding, in that, in that, that that whole scene. I wanted to be on a river. I wanted mm-hmm. to hear the creek the river mm-hmm. i wanted to look and see animals flying by i just loved it like there's something that, like it in my soul i felt and it reconnected in that moment in yellowstone and so i i said i don't know what i'm supposed to do but i got to think about this because i want to do something that's in outdoors mm-hmm. and in nature and i started i said well what should i do so the first thing i did is i came home and i'm like well what would be you know what how could i get introduced to this more. I, I don't have any hunting contacts. I don't have any sure, sure. friends that hunt. I, I didn't have anything. But I kind of need to know what my philosophy was. And so I, I ended up, you know, why, uh, hearing, I think, um, Steve Rinella on Joe Rogan's podcast. And I'm like, wow, that guy was, he tells some yarns. Like that guy can tell some mm. stories, man. And so I'm like, I bought his books, read them all, you know, from his first book, Mediator to the, bison book to yeah uh, bison the, book was amazing game books and everything i just read them from cover to cover uh i, I ended up watching you know 100 episodes of meat eater 
But then my daughter started <laughs> watching them with me, and she loved them, like loved them. And th- at the time, you know, she's like eight, right? So, but we were watching them, and we were loving them. And then, so I said, "All right, I got to look this up." So I found, I got, I'm going hunting this, this, uh, you know, ne- you know, in, in the fall or in the winter. And I found this place in Florida, and I won't reveal their name, but if people out there listening right now, there's some, there's some outfitters out there that they're not too ethically sound. I, I just didn't know. I was just a new right. right? Right, so right. I think what right. resonated for me in the Ranella stuff was um, I wanted to be in nature and I wanted to hunt, but I didn't, I didn't want to do it to slaughter animals. I wanted to, to do it because I wanted to eat, um, you know, organic and, and, and understand the sacrifice the animal made for, for its life. And I, I wanted there to be meaning behind it. It's just kind of the way I want to live my life. And it, so mm-hmm. his message really, really resonates with me. And so I, I ended up finding this outfitter for like 800 bucks. I could go on this guy's land in, in Florida, central Florida, and hunt for three days. And it was like 800 bucks. I'm like, man, that's a great price. 800 bucks, three days. It wasn't fenced in or anything like that. Well, I mean, you kind of pay for what you get, right? So I went out there right. and it was, I think the guy owned like 40 acres and there was 10 of us on 40 acres. And when you got that much stink, you got that much, you know, human contact, like not one deer walked in front of anybody in three days. Not one, not one, right? Mm. And... uh the other thing, and I've never talked about this, but the first day I went out and sat in a stand that day to go whitetail deer hunting, I got in the stand about five in the morning. It did not get light till about six thirty, almost seven. It was probably the most terrifying hour and a half of my life. I had to sit there in the in absolute black with only mm-hmm. my thoughts, and I mm-hmm. said, "Ooh." I got some work to do on myself because I can't even sit here by myself. Wow. And that's something that I actually have done a lot of work on over the last year and a, or two years. So, the, uh, the, sorry, that wasn't even a year and a half. This is 2020, December 2020, yeah, yeah, two, yeah. two and a half years ago. Yeah. So, I got out of that hunt and I said, I screwed that up. Uh, you know, that's, that's not going to happen again. Like, I, I got to get smarter at this, which is great. I learned through mistakes and learned through failure. So, it's really like I got it made the dumb, went to the wrong outfitter, you know, got kind of scammed maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then in, in one of Steve Rinella's books, he talks about this great guide that, that is a elk hunting guide out in Colorado. And he talks to him with reverence, but it's only about a half a page of the whole book. And it's a, you know, 300 page book. And so I got home from this Florida hunt and I was, I read that like the weekend, the next weekend. And so I Googled this guy's name and found him. Uh, he was at a ranch, uh, no fence, uh, private public land area. Yep. Yep. And I found the ranch and I called the ranch and said, Hey, you got any openings in 2021? And I, uh, the 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 guy that ran the ranch was like, uh, no, there's a huge wait list here, and you're not getting anywhere near it. And he goes, but what do you do? <laughs> you know, let's talk. So I said, well, you know, I'm run uh, won a bunch of political campaigns, presidential campaigns, all that stuff. And he's like, oh, whoa, 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 I love politics. I go, oh yeah. 
<laughs> he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I love politics. So we started talking politics. And he's like, it, it, like a couple of days later, he calls me and says, hey man, I looked you up. You, you've been on CNN and Fox News and Fox Business. And right, made like right. Hundreds of thousands of appearances on TV. I'm like, yeah, he goes, well, you could be an interesting addition to this camp. And I go, uh, absolutely <laughs> be one of us. I'll take what I can get my advantages, right? So the long story short is I ended up going, I, you know, I paid a significant amount of money, but it was a fair hunt and it was a, uh, a stock hunt. And the first morning we wake up at this camp, he says, Philip, I'm going to put you with, I had never told him about this guide, but he said, you know, they've got 10 guides at this camp and there's 10, 10 of us there. <clears throat> he said, Philip, you're going to get, you got this guide. And it was the one I read in the book. Wow. Serendipity. Yeah. And I go, holy cow. And so we went out and we did a, basically on day one, we did 12 hours, basically. But went out at five. Well, actually, it's about 13. We went out at about five in the morning. But about 6.30 that night, we were about 300 yards away from, uh, you know, a group of elk. And we stalked them. And got, I got to about 280 yards and took a shot and then uh, heart shot him. And he dropped immediately from 280. And the guide was this guy reading the book. And, and I mean, from that point on, Robbie, I was all in. I was all, I mean, that, it was the most exciting, fun thing I've ever done in my life. To, to stalk, mm. to climb on your hands and knees, to literally stop every three seconds to see where the wind's going, to hide behind trees to throw up a tripod and then shoot from 280 and, and knock it down and then to go out and clean it and field dress it. And, and then for the meat to show up and the European rat to show up, you know, six weeks later and then to eat it for the whole year. And then mm -hmm. that European rack is, uh, our mount is, uh, above, above our TV and our, in our main sitting room. And I look at it every day. It's a reminder, you know. And so mm -hmm. uh, I kind of became obsessed. I've made a ton of mistakes since then. I, I didn't have any land to go to. So in the literally last two weeks, I finally got an access to three different hunting spots. And that's been life-changing because now right. I'm able to go out there and, you know, walk around and understand, see where tracks are going and, and have strategies behind it. So this is why I'm so obsessed with it right now. because I got. I got strategies. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm super. Well, you've almost found this like new, you're, you're in the strategy world, but now you found a different world right. that. And I love that. Requires a totally new strategy yeah. that you bring your mind to. Yeah. The, the sad story to this is that after I shot that elk, it was a five by five. Uh, my daughter who had watched all of these meat eaters a year before with me, um, she would be like, Hey, let's watch another hunting show before I go to like, we'd be in bed reading stories. And she'd be like, let's put the story down and watch a, watch a meat eater or watch a, a hunting show on YouTube. And I'm like, sure. Mm -hmm. And like, never, she never got disgusted by the animal dying or anything. She saw it for what it was because we taught, look, you're eating meat every day. You're eating bacon or you're eating chicken or and that animal had that animal died for you. Right. And so 
she said, Dad, I want to do some hunting. And I said, okay, well, we're not just throwing you out there because you're, you know, eight, nine years old at the time. And I'm like, you know, what, what do we want to, you know, want to do? And so she saw, she goes, I want to go turkey hunting. I saw one of those on the shows and I really want to do turkey hunting. So I said, all right. So right. in the spring of 2022, we did a public land turkey hunt in the Pixa Mountains of Western North Carolina. And we got, we, I hired a guide, a local guide to take us out. Yep, yep. And, and by the way, the key to everything I'm talking about today is, is who, not how. So every time I mm. try to ask the question, how should I hunt? How can I hunt more deer or how can I do this? It never goes anywhere. But if I ask who can help me, that's where mm-hmm. I have the most progress in where I want to go with hunting. Right. So I found this great local guide. We go up, stay in North Carolina. The first morning we get out and at daybreak, I mean, right, the sun's coming up. We call in a turkey. For the first five minutes, we're on this turkey hunt with my daughter. And I'm not hunting. I'm, I have no gun on me. I, she's got the shotgun. She'd been practicing shotgun shooting for, for two months. Uh, before that, she'd been practicing rifle shooting for, for a few months. Just she liked it. She, she was good at shooting, like, and she enjoyed it. So anyway, we get into the mountains, and I'm 20 yards behind the guide and my daughter. And the turkey comes about 50 yards away. And right before they take the shot, it gets spooked. To, you know, an eight-year-old, or my, at the time she's nine, my daughter's not just moving probably too much, too much movement. That thing, that, sure, that, sure, sure, that sure. turkey just went, no, thank you. Over the next two days, we hiked 18 miles, 18 miles with a nine-year-old. We never called mm. in another turkey, never heard another gobble. And when the hunt ended two days later, after hiking 18 miles, she said, I still want to hunt. And she, Jeez, she's amazing. like, I, I don't, I got to get something. And she goes, I'm going to get a turkey one day. And I said, well, there's going to be deer hunting this fall. If you want a deer hunt, I'll take you. But you know, you know, there's no, no guarantee of success. And so sure. She's like, yeah. So I said, well, in order to do that, you're going to have to shoot every single month, the rifle and, and get really stone cold good at this. And she's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And she's not like asking me to go shoot, but she knows that if she wants to do it, she's got to go with me when I go. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to November, the week of Thanksgiving, I had access to go to some land up in, uh, on the Alabama, Florida border. We went up there. I had a guide with us. Uh, we get into a blind and the first 30 minutes of daylight, a freaking eight point walks out. <laughs> Again, I don't have a gun. She's got the gun. She, this is her hunt. Sure, sure. She, it is 90 yards away, and she freaking hits that thing one shot, and it ran, you know, for a minute and then dropped. And uh, she cried immediately, like burst into, like, mm. massive tears, right? And I went, oh, my God, mm. I've committed child abuse. And then, but you got to understand, she's nine years old, man. Like, she just killed an animal. She took a life. Yeah. That's heavy yeah. stuff, man. Like, damn yeah. right she was crying. I honor her for those tears. After about two minutes of just squeezing and holding me and crying her eyes out, she, she looks up and she goes, is it time to go get the deer? <laughs> mm-hmm. So she just needed to get that emotion out. And I didn't want to shoot that down, right? And I let her have it all out. 
And then we went out and tracked it and found it. And we've been eating it, you know, ever since. We had the the tenderloin, uh, the back straps we had for, for Christmas this year. And she, it's like the amount of pride she has for providing a meal to yeah. our family is unlike anything I've ever experienced. Like she, I mean, every day she's bringing her beef jerky to school. Uh, you know, she is, we're making hamburgers out of, out of her deer meat, you know, once a week. And she, they're the best hamburgers she mm-hmm. ever had. Of course, they're, it's her meat. So that's right. Yeah, that's it's been, right. It's been pretty awesome. And now um, it's just accelerating because I'm getting smarter. I'm learning more. I'm having more experiences. So I get it now. And, you know, this is really going to be an important part of my life for the rest of my life. Yeah, man. No, it's, uh, I'm jealous. I haven't, uh, my boys are, you know, the one thing about this, this role that I live in and that we fight for hunting every single day. And I don't get to, I don't get to hunt number one very much anymore. A lot of people are like, oh, you get to hunt all over the world. I hunted a total of three days in 2021. Yeah. Um, and none of them with my boys. Mm. How old are they? So 11 and nine. Do they want to hunt? So it's this. Yeah, of course they want to. But dad's like, you know, you know, better than anyone. It's like, I've got to, it's a, it's a balance issue, right? It's a balance of like sitting down, putting the time aside. Let's go do this. And this is the year, 2023 is the year we're going to go shooting. We're going to go hunting. We're going to do a lot more things now because we're a lot more settled. We moved the family to a different state. We're in a much better place now. Um, So, yeah, it's, um, let me ask this question. One of the things that you sort of glossed over. One, I'll, uh, you, to add to your, you know, impeccable resume of CNN and Fox News, you can add now Blood Origins podcast. I'm by the way. Let's that. just put that yeah. put that in there. You know, yeah. may not have as much like resonance as CNN, but you know, maybe one day. Um, Actually, I think it's a lot more about how th- this is much better than any of those things. And I'm, <laughs> I, you think that's a joke, but like, you know, media is so toxic now. It's almost like. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. I, I did an interview on Fox Business about two weeks ago, uh, but it wasn't about politics. It was about business, and that's okay. But if you uh, a couple of years ago, I went on Fox News, and um, the, the person that I had to debate accused me or said that I was trying – I wanted people to die because I didn't – in Florida, we had a lot of mask freedom during COVID, and we were going – it was – you know, and anyway, and I and I was arguing on behalf of freedom from wearing the stupid mask, and she said that I wanted people. I was basically she called me basically called me a murderer on national TV, and I remember saying I don't want to. I'm not interested in that kind of stuff anymore. Like that, this is mm. this is counterproductive. This is not for the good of the world, and I kind of stopped doing that stupid debate stuff uh, after that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things you said as you were like, as you were describing your elk hunt is that it was so much fun. Mm. The other side of the coin that doesn't understand hunting, that doesn't, doesn't want to see hunting. We use that question a lot. I, every person I interview, not on the podcast format, but in like the visual cinematography yeah. format, I ask them the question why is it fun to hunt because often the rhetoric on the other side is it's fun because you like to kill things philip Mm. but you didn't describe 
the action of killing in when you were describing the fun. And if you want to test me, just rewind it to five minutes or six minutes and listen to Philip describe it because you didn't describe the killing. All you described was almost everything up to that point. What what is it about it? Like what you know, when when someone says why is it fun? What what makes it fun to hunt? Well, I think we've been living over the last 30 years in a world that increasingly walks away from nature and walks away from being in environments that you're meant to be in. And I'm no exception to that, right? I sit behind a desk and I work all day and I write and I've written two books and I love all that stuff. But that's, I don't know if that's the way we're supposed to be. You know, our nature is to hunt and gather. My, as a kid, I didn't have opportunities to explore what, who I was or what made me happy mm. or what, what it got me excited. I mean, one of the things I do with my daughter is we just introduce her to a thousand things and then she chooses, right? Um, all mm. I can do for her is to introduce, I, I wasn't introduced to that many things. So when I, was in Yellowstone and I, all these things went through my head. What's my purpose? Well, it's to be in nature. One, that's fun. Sitting last night, staring for three hours at a field. It wasn't even a field. I mean, it's like a, it's like a, a road, <laughs> you know, like that's the only open space. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I love it. Like, I'm supposed to be in nature. Second, if I eat meat or I wear an animal on me, like, shouldn't I understand the sacrifice that that animal makes? Mm -hmm. Shouldn't I know that, that I, if I take that life, that that, that that animal meant something? It should, if it meant something, should it be consumed by me without appreciation? Because that's what we do mm -hmm. in this world. Everything's convenient. And we don't learn like nobody goes uh, whitetail hunting every day and, and shoots a, a, a buck every day. That doesn't happen. It's delayed right. gratification. It's hard work. It's being in a, in an environment you love. It's understanding the sacrifice of that animal. One of the things I tell my daughter, when we talk about it. I'm like, well, if we shoot a buck, you know, I, I can't tell you, I'm, I'm not going to take a spike or a or four point or something, but usually we're trying to take older bucks. Mm -hmm. And by the way, when, when we saw that Florida Panther two days ago, do you think that Florida Panther is going to take, it has to eat, by the way, one deer a week in order to live. Mm. Right. How, how's the death for that deer going to be if a Florida Panther takes it out mm -hmm. well, versus me? And, you know, having and working my ass off to make sure that my, my rifle and my scope and everything is on point and practicing and practicing and practicing and taking that animal out at a later, at a later point in their life. Mm -hmm. So not only do I think it's humane, I think it's what nature has intended us to be. And I also need to know that that animal sacrificed its life so that I could eat. Doesn't mean I can't mm -hmm. afford anything I want to, you know, I can't afford meat. It's just to understand the sacrifice of that. And then, in, uh, just as a, 
part of your instinct. It does feel good to know that you provided for your family. I mean, we had, we came home from that deer hunt Saturday night and we, I grilled up uh, elk steaks for my wife and my daughter. So it was like going mm-hmm. from this deer hunt to having my elk steaks and to stalk that elk. That was fun to, to mm-hmm. know that every move you make could screw up the whole thing. That if the wind blows a different way than it is in that moment, it's over to know, like, you know, how crazy is that to think about, like I went, um, we had a two day doe season on December 31st and January 1st, um, going 2022 to 2023 and a doe popped up on me about 160 yards away on the first morning and I didn't take it and he walked away she yeah sorry she and (laughs) so used to only shooting males and and the next 24 hours, all I could think about was, what did I do? Why did I let that thing go? Oh, my God. But it was 167 yards away. I've shot it, and I'll get 280. It's a, of course, I'm shooting a 300 run, which means I'm going to, like, rip that thing up. But, mm-hmm. but the fact is, is, like, that's so ex- – I went to bed that night. I couldn't sleep. I'm like, I got to get back out there. I got to get back out there. The next day, nothing showed up. <laughs> that's what makes it so fun. You don't know. It's not predictable. It's uncertain. And we need yeah, in our world in a Robbie, we need more uncertainty and we need to live with it comfortably. Mm. That's something I think we all struggle with. Mm. And there's almost an element of, of fun to that when you fully embrace it, yeah. right? That there's, there's this uncertainty, unknown, pushing your limits. You, you had many different characteristics that you were describing as you were, you were talking like a lot of people find the act of hard work fun. Otherwise you wouldn't do it, yeah. right? You, you don't do things. You don't do activities without whether there's a, a singular purpose to it or, or a finality to it. There's almost always an element of, of fun to it. Even if you may not on the surface, believe it to be like this thing that I'm fun. Like people don't play, they go play golf for fun. Right. Yeah. Um, but hunting, there's, there's an, you know, you're building mental capacity, you're building physical capacity, you engaging, as you said, in nature and the outdoors. And all of those, like, wrapped, combined, you're, you're meeting new people, you're yeah. engaging relationships, engaging good conversations, getting good meat, all of that, you know, could be considered fun. Here's where it's not fun. Can I, expre- can I tell you that? For sure. Okay, so in the fall of 2022, I went back to Colorado, back to the same outfitter that I, that I shot my first elk with. And you're going to be like, this is, I'm, I know what to do, first day, like it happened last year, okay, well, here we go. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I had an expectation. Exactly, exactly. And that expectation sapped all the fun out of that hunt. Wow. There was more pressure. It wasn't joyful at all. It was, I got one last year. I got to get one this year. And by the way, that's how that alligator brain of mine works, right? Unless I stop it. And Well, all hunters' brains act the same way, Philip. It's it's almost this thing that's, I I couch it like a cancer. There's this inherent pressure. Like when you tell people, I'm going hunting, I'm going to do this, this is where I'm going. All those people now, you have put an expectation on yourself and a pressure on yourself to fulfill 
the mission. Yes, you're there to hunt. Yes, you're there to kill. But you're not going to kill. You're going to hunt. And hunt inherently has it, by definition, has failure built into it. Right. So the question is, are you doing this for all the things that I just spent the last 30 minutes talking about? Or are you doing this for your own ego? And all of a sudden, I found myself realizing that that hunt, which, by the way, I ended up shooting a six by five elk, but I did it for my ego, not mm. because I enjoyed that stalk, which I did another stalk. Not, but uh, you know, I we we stalked and we, oh man, we heard the the bugling from probably a half mile away, and we got up to him. I, it was the it was the craziest experience, and I didn't enjoy it at all because mm. I needed to be able to, my ego needed to be able to say I killed something. And mm -hmm. so it was great because I, I journal all of my hunting experiences, which I would encourage new hunters out there to do. Because when I look back on it, I realized that wasn't, it was, I mean, it was cool. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't fun. It wasn't joyful. And so I just made a pledge and I'm not going to do it anymore unless I can find joy in whether mm -hmm. I shoot something or not. And I don't care mm -hmm. if I come home, my wife's like, you didn't get anything again? And I'm like, no, I'm not out there for that. I'm out there to be in nature. And if a deer or a turkey or an elk, you know, or a bear walk out in front of me and I got a license for it, that, that's just a bonus. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And so that's really how I, I look at it now more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And so... Like I said, I think I've hunted, I think, six days um, in, in whitetail season so far. Seen three doe. That's it. I'm so happy. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I have access mm -hmm. to just sit in the woods, and I'm just really grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Well, you're, you're certainly you've, – you've, you've almost touched on all the things that are inherent to the hunting community that are – terrible things in the hunting community the whole ego the hunting industry you know from an ego perspective is yeah. the worst and i think that's um, what turned me off when i was 19 years old mm. you know was what it's about shooting beer cans and then telling your buddies you shot deer and like it wasn't about eating the meat it wasn't about any of the things i told you but that's okay i needed to have that experience in order to understand what i wanted no you're absolutely right Absolutely right. No, it's a. Uh, it, it, I'm so well. One number one. Thank you for becoming a member of our tribe, um, because we need more people like you, more people that are thoughtful like you. To this thing that we love so much, and then the the best thing about it is that you are the example for your daughter mm. that has now be, become a member of our tribe. Yeah, for the rest of her life, whether she hunts or not, right? Correct. She knows the ethics and the ethos behind why we hunt. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's, that's part of my legacy, you know, for her. Um, 100%? Yeah. 100%. Philip, you're the man, man. Um, I, I'm always, I'm completely humbled and grateful when I get to speak with people 
of the caliber of someone like you. Oh. Um, you know, you, again, you've been on podcasts that I can only dream of touching one day. If you have Gary V's contact, I want to have Gary V and have a conversation about hunting with Gary V. Mm. That's what I want. It'd be super interesting um, to know. Where does he stand on it? I would love to have just a general, like, let's have a hash-out conversation yeah. about what do you think about hunting? Yeah. And if he says, I hate it, I want to know why. And I think Gary Vee's the kind of person that you could challenge him and say, okay, well, let me tell you a couple of things. Yeah. No, and I, he would be like, I, I, oh, will, shit, I, I never will, knew uh, that. I, I will reach out and let you know. No, you won't. Don't be serious. Come on, don't pull my string yeah, like will, that. I'll absolutely reach out. <laughs> I, before before we get out of here, I got two two things. No, I really will. Yes, sir. Robbie, I, I'm gonna reach out. Like you know, we're, we're, <laughs> listen, everybody out there, I, I want to help Robbie market this amazing organization. So, oh my god, hopefully there'll be some more. But um, two two things. Cody McLaughlin connected us. Yes, Cody Alaska. We call him Alaska. You need to call him Alaska from now on. Okay? Well, Cody, uh, I've known for about six, six, seven years now. Um, I want to shout out and say thank you for connecting us. I'm really grateful for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, second, um, I'm 48. My 50th birthday is coming up in two years. And I'm, I, I want to go into Alaska for 12 days. And I want to moose and bear hunt and do all that kind of stuff. And so I'm looking for help in that in the sense of the same thing we talked about in this podcast who who is out there i'd love to learn more educate myself more what are my areas i need to go to ways i need to think about it and opportunities that could be there and um so does it have to be alaska what's that does it have to be alaska or somewhere up there yeah i wanted to be alaska i want to i want to go it's my 50th and i'm like yeah, this is kind of what I do. I'm I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm going elk hunting in in uh, Wyoming this year. Public land hunt in Wyoming. I've been awesome. collecting points forever and ever. And I, yes, perfect. I mean, I got to draw, but but I feel good. Yeah. But um, yeah. That my my goal is to be to do the kind of a two week hunt in Alaska in, in uh, 2024. Well, if uh, we know a couple of people up there, so we'll uh, find the best Including person for you. Cody Alaska. Including Alaska. <laughs> But no, we're not. We're not. We're not sending you with Alaska yeah. to go moose hunting. I'm not trusting you that far. So, <laughs> uh, so I just had to put that out there. Um, and uh, you, you know, you can find me at uh, uh, philipstutz.com. You can reach out. There's a contact form if you know anything, anybody out there. I'd be grateful. Absolutely, Philip, you're the man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.